Hello and welcome everybody. Hopefully you're having a great goddamn day. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of our Yamlord session. We've got special guests of P.O., Jay, myself, and many more. Uh, today we're going to be deep diving into a couple topics, more so generalization of market conditions, uh, what we potentially be seeing over the next couple weeks if inflation continues to rise. Uh, printing of money continues to slow down, the reserve pulling back, all this good stuff. We got a really information-packed day today, so stick with us. We'll get through it. And uh, yeah, let's unload some of this stuff. So, Pio, you were telling us before we just started the meeting here, um, you're talking about the inflation impact and the war and everything. So please continue with what you were kind of getting into. Thanks, Potato. Good day, everybody. Well, I think we got to cast our minds back, you know, to pre-pandemic times. And perhaps not to go into too deeply here, but it's interesting to look at something called a repo crisis, which is some arcane intercompany death mechanism. And that flagged up in 2019 as a big red flag for kind of funkiness in a debt market. Now, at that time, the world was kind of generally going into a period of raising interest rates, Property values had been increasing um, in the post-GFC days, but they were trying to kind of cool off, like pumping liquidity into the markets. And then the pandemic happened, and we also happened with the March dump and the absolute craziness that has ensued since. And as Potato was kind of more elo eloquently kind of describing, uh, or perhaps kind of mandating awareness of the context we find ourselves in, we have... A lot of payback due for the pandemic in terms of inflation. And next thing, this war happens. And in the meantime, we are realistically looking in Europe at double-digit inflation uh, coming at us and sustained in a sustained manner. Like, you can listen to many kind of government announcements and they're not even hiding the fact anymore that anything is transitory, which means in politicians speak, we have no answers. Um, so I think to kind of serve that up, if we're seeing a, perhaps an end to this war, I think the world is going to get a little bit real pretty quickly in terms of cost of living and the kind of mindset when it comes to the markets and the reality that we need to kind of look at. Right, like a solid reality check. It just feels like we've had this skeleton in the closet since before COVID started. And they were like, you know, we should probably revisit that thing. And then they were like, whoa, wait, no, we got we got to deal with this virus and COVID. And then they were like, oh, well, COVID's starting to slow down. No, we should probably look at that skeleton again. And they're like, no, no, wait, there's war now. We got to <laughs> focus on that. Don't look at this over here. But like, like I said, like once everything settles down and there's nothing like in the front, the for you know we have to deal with the stuff in the foreground like you can't just put it off forever that you're right the politicians especially in canada you know when asked like hey where's this money coming from where are you print where is where's the money coming from and they're like well you know we don't actually know that's a great question probably for someone else because we're not going to answer you today and it, <laughs> i can you imagine know. that's happening all over the fucking plate all over the planet where is the All money over the planet. from? Where is it going to come from? The government does not earn money. They redistribute wealth. It's their and, only job. And the funny thing is, that information is there for anyone to look at for free. You know, validated. Yeah. And I think it's really kind of comes back to what we do here in the Discord. You know, you kind of look at the data and you don't 
you know, you can you can see the lips move, but like what, what are the words coming out? Um, and politics is politics. But, you know, when you're seeing, you know, I think it's becoming you know, more mentioned now, like mortgage yield curves or, or sorry, U.S. debt uh, bonds kind of invert in the two year yield versus the 10 year yield. That's hard nosed investors and money people saying, hey, you're going to have a recession here. Like everything is topped out. And it's kind of like why I've been kind of anxious, if not only for my own self-preservation, but like for people in the real world, because change happens rapidly and people never really expect that. But also I'm having less sympathy because it's happened constantly, not even since 2020, like going back to 2016, expect unexpected and expect it to happen fast. I, I think it's just a matter of like everyone's got their freaking head in the sand right now. No one wants to see the impending, you know, shitstorm that is the economy coming. Like they know it's coming, but they can all clearly see that the TA is absolutely overbought to the maximum degree. And yet we just continue to take steps farther and farther and farther. Like I like I've said a month or many months ago, like we're already over the cliff, you know. We've we've we're technically in a free fall. At the moment, we just don't even realize we're falling. You know, we're still floating. We're like, we're like, the reality hasn't set in that this is worse than it probably ever has been in the whole history of, of the money system. Like, you know, we, we've never had these type of, <laughs> of, of rates and, uh, no, uh, it's like, it's like a cartoon. It's like coyote, wily e. coyote. Yeah. Run off a cliff and he's just. Yeah, and he looks at you before he falls, and he he holds up his sign. He's like, "Whoops, or uh oh, you know." (laughs) And it takes another minute for that to to set in. And that's where I can kind of say, like, if you ever hear the term gaslighting, you're like, "I'm trying to think, like, did that ever really happen to me? Like, this is just what's happening right now. Everyone's being gaslighted or gaslit, rather, because like." I think it's only become really apparent in the last six months, but I think it's going to get ridiculously real in the next six months because you can see it in people. So like last year, I was offered a contract doing an advisory for technology for Build to Rent. I was looking for something to do sustainably, like long term. And I came back with the rationale that people like me can't pay for your product and it's stupid to kind of sell it to them. And what we're seeing now is a lot of the real estate investment funds the charts have topped out. <laughs> They've pulled back 20% since January, on average, from what I see. And they're even saying themselves, hey, we can't build accommodation, generally apartments, for sale at all. No way. They're going to be half a million minimum for a two-bed apartment. <laughs> you know. And we know people won't pay for that or can't pay for that. And when they're saying this, it's, you know, to juxtapose what we talked about gas lighting, just look at people around you. You know, like electricity bills are about 50%. Gas is going up, whatever it is. Like, it becomes a point where the government is printing even more just to sustain, you know, people who should be able to paddle their own canoe. Um, And that's that's where we are right now. I think it's just, like, it's very, very painful. But there's opportunity in in confronting that. It's it's only when you you act as everyone else and stick your head in the sand and close your eyes and... La la la, like you ignore it like a child when you don't yeah. take it, right? You you essentially jump in the crowd and get led to slaughter instead of free thinking and and making your own independent choices. Something really 
I mean, again, just another piece of, of like reality setting for me, talking to my own father, like his house that he bought only now, um, I think five or six years ago now, yeah. has over 100% increased in value, especially yeah. in the last two, three years. Like his, his evaluation went from 550 to 870 over the last two years. So, yeah. and I mean, that's not even keeping up with the current rate of inflation. If that was to, if it was one to one, if it was keeping up with inflation, it'd probably be worth almost two mil. And that's my my kind of argument to people who think the property game is going to keep on going. I'm like, okay, look, it's getting turboed now by a lot of factors, especially lack of inventory. So there's nothing there like cash bidders are going to win, you know, and the price is just it's always going to go 10, 15, 20 percent over asking because you know, uh, money will win. But if you are like looking to buy a property to rent out right now, you know, um, the margin you're going to have to make, you're going to have to ask yourselves how many people can earn 100K to rent this from me. And if they can't earn that and I need to drop it below my my cost, that's aside from looking at it just as holding an asset, how long can I sober negative equity? And I think. In the property market, I certainly see incredible FOMO by buyers yeah. because it's completely like, I'm going to miss a train. I'm never going to own a house, you know, fuck. And like, I'm in a situation myself. I'm like, shit, I'm going to have to change my life around in five years. But like, am I going to confront reality or am I going to be exit liquidity for boomers? Because when you look at demographics, it's it's going to move on, you know, and I, I really believe it is. Um and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be putting myself in a position where my investment for my pension or whatever it is 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 probably gonna have to sober an aggregate equity for a decade. Possibly longer in some countries, like you know, they're not attracted to immigrant immigration. Um, you know. I mean, absolutely the way it's going right now, the only way that the younger generations are ever gonna own property is if it's handed down from the previous generations. They're never going to be able to buy. Most people, I would say you know, maybe two out of every 10 people will still be able to afford the current markets, but the other eight will never, ever be able to get themselves into that position. You know? And I think that's mental that you can make just enough to pay someone else's, yet you can't get your own, you know, and as the ever increasing housing costs continues, that it just, it's like for every one step you take, the housing market takes five steps away from you. How are you ever going to catch up at this rate, you know? We don't, we're not seeing the income increasing dramatically like this. We're not seeing, you know, the, the rate of inflation dropping at that rate. Like everything's working against you. Time, percentage, everything. So that could be the reality is that property will never be achievable unless it's, it's handed down from previous wealth generations. Like that wealth is already sucked up by the by the leaders as it is, you know, they've, they've basically put our grandkids or our great grandkids into debt already. How many generations ahead can we screw over before it comes back to bite itself in the tail? You know, it's the snake can only grow so large before there's no room for it to continue. And it just has to engulf, engulf itself. Fucking scary reality of, of what is more than likely to come. And it's absolutely, it, it's not tinfoil hat shit at all. Like, it is the model. It's its funny <laughs> what you just said, because there is no mandate to have a private pension in Ireland. 
and there should be a mandate, you know, like a state pension, obviously, for people who can't afford private pension, although I don't believe that will be a thing in 10 years in most Western democracies. Right. Um, so today they came out with the announcement, blah, blah, blah. You'll make an X percent contribution. Your employer will make X percent contribution. You have to select your own private fund from a list of funds. But the way they kind of came out with it was like, because 75% of all property being built right now in Ireland is built to rent apartments, as in nobody can buy them. They were like, yeah, people need to use this so that they can rent when they retire. And like, it's, it's kind of exploded because I think it is as stark as that. It's a generational kind of like, hey, this is absolutely a fucking Ponzi, by the way. We're going to look you in the eye and say, it is a Ponzi. And, you know, if you want to buy into the market, you're going to risk being exit liquidity if the whole shit show comes to town. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be a, a slave. And I think, not to get to me, but like this Napoleon quote, and it always resonates. And that's like, men would rather like risk everything than suffer. And I, I just think there's a breaking point, whether it's the financial markets, because some countries might take advantage of this and say, hey, like, work has become increasingly digital, remote, you know, like, fuck New York or fuck Dublin or fuck London or whatever. Uh, go work from here and we'll give you an affordable, uh, an opportunity to, you know, work hard and, uh, you know, fair exchange is no theft, you know, and have a go. I just do not think that it's actually societarily kind of sustainable. And I'm wondering how it will break or what it will break. Like, you know, and there's history for this kind of thing. You had the land leagues here in Ireland only 100 years ago. It was a part of the revolution, you know. Right. Like what? <laughs> but what point? would you see in Canada? Like are, are like young people kind of like this kind of, is there going to be enough of them to kind of like vote for uh, kill the government party? Because I, I should have made this point because it actually made a lot more sense. But the private pension they're asking people to contribute to now so that you can rent an old age. It's also going to be invested in the property market. <laughs> so you're going to you're going to pay tax on your you're going to pay tax on your pension, which is going to like fuel your rent. But your pension fund isn't the investor. So it's just like it, it's real Ponzi-nomic shit. Like. Right. <laughs> Man. It's like a cross-margin account, you know? It's like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like Bitcoin is your collateral, and you're going to, like, long Bitcoin. If it goes up, yeah, you're, you might be able to pay your rent, but in line. But if it goes down, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Man, I, I like it. We respect some people because it's just interesting what, where the breaking point's going to be, whether it's just going to be demand destruction, which is a real thing, and that's my bet sometime this summer, maybe going into winter. Um... I think the stock market, people are starting to realize the last couple of years was bond buybacks, you know, or stock buybacks. It was really kind of airy-fairy kind of stuff. And all markets need to take a big correction. Um, bond yields like government debt, like all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Do you, do you remember what I said about the S&P uh, a couple months ago? How yeah, 2,500. <laughs> yeah, so we essentially need that first 15% drop to basically catalyst us getting us ready for that larger drop you know yeah. off of that 15 percent move we should make new higher highs continue for the next you know eight months year and then from yeah. there we're going to see the actual drop and the freaking government the reserve has literally come out and said they'll be doing you know a 15 percent pullback in the stock market to essentially throw that fund back into the reserve like we don't even need to see the ta play out they're going to play it out for us Literally, like they're going to make that happen, which is going to set in motion 
that large stock correction into the future. You know, it's it's the first, it's essentially like a converging wave for the downside. You know, like <laughs> they're painting the charts. That's yes. real. It's mental. We needed that fit to the downside to then actually work up, diverge again, and then get the true drop. And so, like I said, yeah, no. like, to us on a golden platter, like, here's your warning in a year. You know, you better, you better be out already because if you're not, you're screwed. And, and you know what? Like, that, that happened before as well. And that's when I just look at history and I'm like, oh, don't not believe things that are really happening because in the 80s, it took Paul Walker. He just said, like, I know this is not going to suit any politician, but I need to rip this Band-Aid off and jack up interest rates. Like, this party's over, you know, need to take some pain. So, yeah, I'd just be preparing for things like, don't be, don't be someone else's eggs of liquidity. Um, and it's hard to kind of take it in if you've got a pension. But, like, you can reallocate it. Like, commodities will do really well. And that's, you know, you can just look back at the data and say, like, what did well to the GFC? Commodities. Commodities did really well. And like those economies did really well, too. So, you know, um, there's, it's kind of like if Bitcoin is in a downtrend and you just hold stable coins, effectively you're shorting it, you know? Right. So, like, even if you just don't play the game, you can be winning even if you think, like, shit, inflation's eating my cash. And if you're not holding US dollar, that's going to be the strongest currency, I believe. Right. Um, so if you have euros or whatever and you can swap them into dollars at a good rate, you know, that's a way of just beating everything that's going to happen. Yeah, I think like looking at the chart is really healthy. So like if you could have gone back and played like 2007, 2014 all over again, you know, you could have done really well if you had an optimistic mindset and you looked for what was really happening. And you could have gone into the tech trend and a lot of other things. You could have played the banks amazingly well. You know, so I think yeah, the thing is true now. Like we, things get like really bad this year, and it's really easy to be like, "Oh fuck, the world's coming to an end." Like, but if you look at like be clear-eyed and kind of acknowledge the risks, acknowledge the things that are going to shit that you never thought would go to shit. But you know what's on the other side of this? And there's there's so much exciting stuff happening in science and engineering and technology that you know are long-term trends, and you just got to ask yourself like, what do I know? What do I think is interesting? You know, who knew NFTs are blew up? Like, I don't find them interesting, but a fuckload of people did. Yeah. And, you know. Absolutely. There's, yeah. It's hard to gauge with technology stuff how well and how bad or how bad it's going to do, right? Because it's mm -hmm. something that we've never encountered before. It's brand new. Just like this whole meta thing. How do we really go at it from a realistic perspective? We don't know how popular that's going to become, you know, is is like is meta versus gaming going to become the new, you know, like, mm -hmm. is your Xbox going to be a hundred percent VR type of thing in the next couple of years? It could be, I could very much see that. What, cause what's the next step? We can't push our graphics any farther. Essentially there's not, you know, we can't push the computing power. So instead we expand the, the universe of in which that you're in, right? That's the only way they can go at this is like putting, you know, how immersive can they, get you other than putting you in the thing itself and there's so many other drivers as well you know like <laughs> i firmly believe that managers in the future will have uh, a carbon allowance so they'll be like okay it's going to cost me x amount of credits to my cost center this week to have the staff in the office or to have them remote or to have them hybrid and it's just going to drive all things digitally immersive because it's going to save so much money because energy is going to be so expensive, you know. Now, I 
I want to bring up a good point too that I was talking to my father about the other day. Um, you know, thinking that we can go into like everyone can just buy an electric car and we can save emissions that way. It's this never going to work. The power no. grid right now, if if only five people on, you know, his street had Tesla cars and chargers, the grid would fail. The grids at the current moment, the, you know, the powering system, it, it, it's not just in Canada, it's all over the world, cannot keep up with yeah. that type of output. You know, it's way yeah. smarter to be f- looking at like hydrogen cars. Let's start getting more hydrogen, more hydrogen gas station, more hydrogen fueled cars. That's, you know, that emission is 0% because literally, you know, you're not burning coal and shit to power the electric cars. And you get to um, you get to reuse existing natural gas infrastructure, which is half the equation that they don't take into account in yeah. terms of the mathematics. You're like, you've got this massive sunk cost. You've got like highly skilled labor, like let them just pump hydrogen instead of gas. And hydrogen is a really interesting door as well, because like in Ireland, like I think in January or was it in February, 80% of our energy was from wind energy this month. Like, I think it's like 4%. So we're drawing nuclear from France. Sure. Um, but the same as you is everywhere else. Like, the grids are just a piece of shit. Like, and they can't even handle, like, people generating themselves and selling back into the grid here. You do right. it and you don't get paid because the grid is too stupid. Um, and, and that's actually, you know, that's the kind of thing I see massive investment in on the other side of this. Because, like, you're going to get, like whatever market correction and then there's going to have to be stimulus and i think what they're going to like what they're going to pump money into is this kind of thing you know let's redo our grids let's redo this let's redo that and it'll all be a mix but yeah i think hydrogen just makes so much sense because the grids are just electric cars are stupidly expensive too i don't like it's really unrealistic and the whole battery life thing is just such a problem i like you can't drive them into the ground and a lot of advocates just won't kind of answer that question. When I'm like, after seven years, I can't pour another 10 to 15K into it. I want to drive it into the ground like I do with a Toyota Corolla. And they're just like, oh, look at the squirrel. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's my question. Right. Because, yeah, like, I mean, it, as it, even if you take perfect care of that, the battery life slowly dissipate over time. And that's, you know, that's a that's like. I'd say 50% of the car itself, it's just the batteries. So until they come out with the solid state battery technology, completely usable, you know, and they essentially like, it's not a battery. It's, it's, it's a, it's a saline battery. Like it's, there's a hundred things that are better about those batteries. So that's one big step we need to take. We need better, more efficient battery technology, efficient in the sense that it's, you know, we're not using as much rare material to make them. And at the same time, they, they're they more efficient that they last longer. They hold charge. No, they don't dissipate through time. Yes. So that's that's one answer. Solid state batteries will solve a lot of the problems that the that the electric car companies and other uh, industries are, are having at the moment. But I, I 100% think that's not the right way that the government look at the hydrogen, look for, you know, closer to zero emission, right? Because you can say, oh, the electric cars are zero emission. No, they're not because you're still running a nuclear plant or a coal plant or oil to power, you know, the grid to recharge your car. You know, oh, it's not the face value, but it's in the background, you know? 
I didn't murder this thing. I just ate it. Like there's still there's still there's so many other yeah, and there's so many other yields to chase too. You know, you got industrial energy. You kind of intimated at that, but like forty percent of all energy generated worldwide is consumed by buildings. And like some reports I've looked at for countries, you're like eighty percent of your building stock has no climate control. <laughs> so you're like, oh my god, if you could save like twenty percent of that forty percent. That's gonna like buy you like ten million Teslas worth of whatever you think you're saving, even though they're like powering their car from a fucking bottle of fuels anyway, you know? Right. And that's where I'm like, oh, it's a bit of a sideshow to kind of like beat the consumer with, and I'm very kind of against carbon tax because I don't really trust what they're like what they think is gonna save money when I'm like just ban single use plastics, like do it. Give the industry two years. Like it's not that they have to come up with solutions; they're already there. You know, like composable bags and in you know, a larger scale. Yeah, it's kind of political will. But, um, Sheesh. Yeah. Anyway, I think um, yeah. yeah, I think how that relates to crypto for me is like I'm like wherever this goes, guys. I think at some point there's going to be every other market's going to pull back uh, when there's a bit of a bounce. Um, so make use of this bull market. I think it's a gift. Really happy to have it. And I think, shall we touch on Jewel and what's happening with Deep yeah, Kingdom? Yeah, we can go into that a little bit, sure. Cool. Maybe if Jay yeah. wants to jump in and have a word, he can. And Jay, do you want to tell us, tell us about the price action, buddy? What's going on? What's the headliner yeah, in Jewel? I've been just enjoying your guys' conversation because it's so relevant, especially with like 401ks and stocks and all that. Well, thankfully. Oh, God. Yeah, if there's anything helpful in that, guys, like... I, I love to talk about it in a way because I'm like, get switched on now. It's time, time to pay attention is now. And it's time to kind of like start planning for risk mitigation because everything's maxed out. Like, you know, if you could look at it on a chart, it's just RSI is 100. <laughs> you know, there's 15 stack divergences. And like, things are going to start changing. Out. Yeah. But yeah, I think. yeah. Yeah. I see this situation kind of happening in my, my own life because like my father's 70 years old. You know, and like he still works full time. He works his butt off, but who knows for how much longer, right? So, you know, when, when he's seeing the valuation Ks and all that kind of stuff, a lot of people his age are seeing that and they're saying, huh, wow, it's really up there, you know? And if we get, if we end up getting some sort of melt up in the stock market, you can just imagine, right? How many people are going to, it's just exit liquidity, like you said, you know? So uh, the, the boomer generation is retiring. And the transfer of wealth is happening, right? But someone needs, you know, if the market pumps, that's someone else's, it's exit liquidity, right? You know, yeah. so a lot of them are going to see the valuations of their portfolios. If it, if we get this pump that I'm kind of thinking we may get before we really crash again, then, mm-hmm. you know, of, of any sort, then they're going to, they're going to crash it themselves because they're going to get out because they want to retire. And then for those that didn't get out, and are of that age, and they're going to see their portfolio just crush. And it's going to be interesting, to say the least. It's just something to really model, especially we're in crypto land. You know, you don't think about it. Most people don't, but the relevancy of the stock market is so there. It is not a separate world yet. Um, so following following the market and understanding it's super important, you know, and we see it in our daily lives. And uh, I think over the next five years or so, is going to be there's going to be some excitement, to say the least. Yeah. What you said, actually... Um... A, a guy called Peter Zihan. People might have heard of him. He's become popular recently because he was kind of calling the the war in Ukraine. 
uh, for a long while. And he heavily focused on demographics. Now, big picture, he thinks like, look, the US and certain areas of good countries and stuff like that, or not good countries, countries will do well because there will always be demand for immigration. There's opportunity, rule of law and stuff like that. But on the point that you just so well made, when people retire, they change their, their, their pension allocation from like equities into bonds. And you've just got the wave of the boomer generation. It's happening now. They're starting to retire now. And their fund allocations are going to switch from equities. And you got to ask yourself, who's got money to buy equities? Everyone else is fucking poor as shit. So, yeah, don't be exit liquidity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Crystal Veil uh, launching today. And we'll kind of tie it off for the next 10, 15 minutes with that. Perfect. Yeah, do you want to lead with the dual chart, I think? If we kind of anchor it around that, and kind of might just cover for anyone who hasn't put it across dual. man. It's it's going to $5,000 tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. Extreme FOMO. I can't believe it. <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So for you guys who aren't following and have been following Jewel or DeFi Kingdoms, they're essentially doing a migration today. Um, they're opening their second universe within the AVAX network. Avalanche is called Crystal. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, DeFi Kingdom is becoming a multi-chain cross-platform DeFi um, slash game slash NFT uh, something or other. Like, how how would you guys describe DeFi Kingdom if you were to try and explain it to someone who had no idea? I think you mentioned every valid element except for exchange. <laughs> it's insane. Right. So it's like forget about what it looks like. Under the hood, it's spreadsheet <laughs> or blockchain, but it's a cross-chain decentralized exchange with a play-to-earn element because you can fish and get mining and gardening and all that. A DeFi element where you've got really nice liquidity pools, um, a staking element, um, and a NFT element where you can buy heroes and do shit with them. Um, it's super innovative and still relatively early when you look at it you know in comparison to its current market cap versus the the leader in its field axie and then look at the price action um so it's a pretty nice calculation um i think on the expansion today um so what's existed on now is is seren serenvale the first kind of like DeFi kingdoms world that sat on the harmony blockchain so until now to get into the ecosystem you had to buy one harmony uh, something like KuCoin, send it across using a, uh, a Harmony wallet, MetaMask, send it across DeFi Kingdoms and swap it into Jewel and then start doing stuff with it there. Um, so the announcement today is Crystal Veil. Crystal Veil is the, the next kind of DeFi Kingdoms world. It's on AVAX, it's AVAX subnet, which is pretty exciting for some implications uh, for it to be its own blockchain someday. Um, and then Crystal Veil, uh, what's happening today is it's just launched uh, hours ago. Um, and it's available for you to kind of go into that world and start, you know, using Crystal as a native token in there. Uh, but you will still be using Jewel as your gas. A great system if you think about it, because it makes the previous token still be very relevant. Instead of everyone just going this place and now getting Crystal and Jewel being left behind, you can get Crystal in the first place. And then you burn Jewel as transaction mm -hmm. fee. It's so smart. The tokenomics behind the whole project is very, very intelligent. I think that's a big reason. Like, 
has so much growth not to mention the design team the development team and all that like it's basically i would i probably never would have actually stepped in for this because it feels familiar it feels like a video game it looks like one so it kind of invites you you know try it and learn about it but uh, the other several times i've looked into anything DeFi related prior it was a little bit daunting and it was like oh i'm already trying to learn all this other stuff i don't have time for them it's like it, it, there's just so so many terms like jargon that seem like normal everyday life to people involved in crypto on a regular basis. But average retail Joe is going to read some of the terminology and they're going to say what? And they're just not even participating. Right, right. They'll never look at so, it. Again. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to see bridge token with asset to this network with this code of the, it's like, what the hell? So, you know, if, but to us, it's like, Oh, it's just that like, no, no, it's really not just that. We've just put in the time and practice and effort to actually learn it. I still don't even really know it that well. But the approachability of DeFi Kingdoms, I think, what is so big uh, in general for For sure. Like, yeah, my buy-in price for DeFi Kingdoms would probably be 20%, you know, 80% lower than what it was because I had to go through sending money from a centralized exchange, you know, going in there, buying Bitcoin, Changing the Bitcoin for Harmony, sending that, you know, entering fucking this, that, and the other thing across the DeFi kingdoms. Now you can just, you know, install MetaMask and, and one and a Harmony wallet, go to DeFi kingdoms, go to what is it? I can't remember the name of the section now, but, and you can just buy with your credit card. <laughs> you can buy one and just swap it for dual. And it's just so friendly and it's nice looking and playful and very nostalgic. If you're a geriatric millennial like myself, absolutely, um, and like I've seen this comment a bit, and I think you know the tokenomics make complete sense because, like, it, if it has good tokenomics and it can catch a good narrative and it's easy to use, like that's a lot of what's been wrong with crypto that I've noticed in the you know twelve to eighteen months that I've been involved. Usually, you look at things and you're like. Oh, that's great. But then it's got like the economics, tokenomics of something in the solid ecosystem and it just will go down forever because the token isn't used, you know. Whereas, and that's common why DeFi, DeFi one coins are like their charts look like SH1T is because, like, yeah, you could get insane yields, but you're getting a token that nobody, it's not usable. Whereas in this instance, Jewel is your gas token. You have to buy it to use the ecosystem. It'll always be in demand. Um, and that's just, yeah, everything's really tight. So I think maybe to recap, maybe what we chatted about earlier on, Jay, because um, for people who, who weren't in the chat, um, if you're moving across into Crystal Vale, um, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of good stuff being posted by Jonas in the Yamlord section. So it'll cover various scenarios, whether you've been in, do you know, uh, Serendale already? And what the migration path is, it's really easy. You you basically you, you take some jewel if you've got to liquidate an LP or whatever, take some X jewel and you go to the dock and you move it across Crystal Vale. There's a medium guide there, it's really straightforward. You can ask us in chat afterwards, perhaps. Um if you're coming in through AVAX because you're not already in the ecosystem, there's a guide there. It's on the MLARD section. Um but all in all, like the dual chart looks good. One harmony looks good, and we'll probably catch some bids because People coming into Harmony will are into DeFi Kingdoms now. You can come in through the Fiat on-ramp in Serendale and just buy it with your credit card. You're buying one. 
the swap with Jewel. So maybe the one Jewel liquidity pools will still do quite well, um, especially price action. Um, but yeah, it's all there, people. So happy to answer any questions. But yeah, I think it's great days. Um, get into the Jewel, Jewel X LPs. You'll be staking those. You'll be earning Crystal um, in the Amlog section as well. Important to note the kind of, you can call it a vesting period. Um, I think roughly 50% of your dual or your crystal rewards will, will be locked up for a year. So bear that in mind. But if the yield is quite healthy, you know, you can judge your own um, your own risk and rewards, no financial advice. 95% are locked. Thanks, Jonas. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'll actually just read this out to be clearer, people. So the percentage of crystal that is unlocked begins at 5% in Epoch 1. Each Epoch lasts a week and increases by 2% each epoch. Unclaimed rewards continue to unlock in a schedule on claiming, at which time unlocked rewards go directly into players' wallets. Lock rewards become fully locked on the end of Epoch 51, which is March 22nd, 2023. Yeah, so we won't even see all of the unlocked of what is locked for two years, pretty much. It'll take a year to have it have the epochs done. It'll take another year to have all of that. So long, long haul. Nicely possible payout, though. You're going to get like 2% per week unlocked of what you have locked. Yeah, that's a nice payout if you just want to like take profits every time. Uh, we appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to go check out the YouTube if you have not. Follow us on Spotify, Twitter, anything such as so. We love you guys. Have a great day.